0: Welcome to the channel of Anna Purdue. Look for the link below the podcast and make sure to upload the podcast so you can multitask while hearing the message. And you can also look for the link and um, once you open it up, you can scroll over and select your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, or Google, and just look for the channel Anna Purdue. A huge shout out to Jody F., Rodney T., Verna S., James R., and Michelle V. for your donations to the channel And if you're interested in helping this channel, you can do so by clicking the donation link found on my website at AnnaPurdue.com. And another way to support this channel is by checking out this offer from my latest sponsor. The government keeps telling us inflation is under control, or that it's just temporary. But what do you think? Exactly. This is just inflation by the back door. Noble Gold is ahead of the game here. They know that with a precious metal IRA under your belt, you'll hedge these rising prices so you can retire without worrying about it. You'll keep up with the inflation the folks in Washington are trying to hide. And this month, as a thank you, and to kickstart this precious metal project, Noble Gold is giving away a free 5-ounce solid silver. America the beautiful bullion cube with every qualifying IRA or 401k rollover. Take advantage of this amazing investment opportunity by visiting Noble Gold Invest or you can call us at 877-646-5347 That's 877-646-5347 I had a little bird Her name was Enza I opened the window and in flew Enza This is a poem children would recite during the turn of the 20th century due to the massive deaths that occurred in most homes, cities, and townships But did you know From January 21st to June 4th, 1918, an experimental bacterial meningitis concoction was cultured in horses by the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in New York and was injected into soldiers at Fort Riley. During the remainder of 1918, as those soldiers, often living and traveling under poor sanitary conditions, were sent to Europe to fight in the WW1. And they spread bacteria at every stop between Kansas and the frontline trenches in France. One study describes soldiers with active infections who were aerosoling the bacteria that colonized their noses and throats, while others, often in the same breathing spaces, were profoundly susceptible to invasion of and rapid spread through their lungs by their own or others colonizing bacteria. The Spanish flu attacked healthy people in their prime. Bacterial pneumonia actually attacks people in their prime. And yes, flu will attack the young, old, and immunocompromised. When WW1 ended on November 11, 1918, soldiers returned to their home countries and colonial outposts, spreading the killer bacterial pneumonia worldwide. During WW1, the Rockefeller Institute also sent its experimental anti-meningococcal serum to England, France, Belgium, Italy, and other countries, helping spread the epidemic worldwide. During the deadly nightmare of 1918-19, the so-called Spanish flu killed 500 are 50 to 100 million people, including many soldiers. Many people do not realize that disease killed far more soldiers on all sides than machine guns or mustard gas or anything else typically associated with WW1. American families and many families worldwide were impacted in similar ways by the mysterious Spanish flu. In 1918, influenza or flu was a catch-all term for any disease of unknown origin. It didn't carry the specific meaning that it does today. The word influenza meant an ill person had some mystery disease which dropped out of the sky. In fact, Influenza is from the medieval Latin influential in an astrological sense, meaning a visitation under the influence of the stars. Why is what happened 100 years ago important now? In the late 19th century through the early 20th century, New York became the home of the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research, now Rockefeller University. The Institute is where the modern pharmaceutical industry was born. The Institute uh, pioneered many of the approaches the industry still uses today, including the preparation of serums, for better or worse. It was John D. Rockefeller who followed in his father's William Devil Bill Avery Rockefeller's footsteps, They were both snake oil salesmen and criminals to the core. I find it interesting that Gates from Hell is also a devil bill. If hubris at the Rockefeller Institute in 1918 led to an event which killed millions of people, what lessons can we learn and apply today? This event was not spanish It is surprising to note that the first cases of Spanish flu occurred at Fort Riley, Kansas in 1918. How is it possible this historically important event could be so badly misnamed 100 years ago and never corrected? Why Spanish? Spain was one of the few countries not involved in WW1. Most of the countries involved in this event censored their press, and being free from censorship concerns, the earliest press reports of people dying from disease in large numbers came from Spain. The warring countries did not want to additionally frighten the troops, so they were content to scapegoat Spain. Soldiers on all sides would be asked to cross no man's land into machine gun fire, which was frightening enough without knowing that the trenches were a disease breeding ground. One hundred years later, it's long past time to drop Spanish from all discussion of this event. If this thing started at a United States military base in Kansas, then it should be more aptly named. In order to prevent future disasters, the U.S. and the rest of the world must take a hard look at what really caused this odd destruction of life. It is possible that one of the reasons the Spanish flu has never been corrected is that it helps disguise its origin. If its origin involved an experiment on U.S. soldiers then the U.S. may prefer calling it Spanish flu instead of the Fort Riley bacteria of 1918 or something similar. The Spanish flu started at the location this experimental bacterial serum was given, making it the prime suspect as the source of the bacterial infections which killed so many It would be much more difficult to maintain their marketing mantras if of the ones they used of, we save lives, if an experiment originating in the United States during the years of primitive manufacturing caused the deaths of 50 to 100 million people. The American Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research and its experimental bacterial meningococcal concoction may have, in fact, killed 50 to 100 million people in 1918 to 1919 is a far less effective sales slogan than the overly simplistic we save lives. It was always about the marketing. The disease, which killed so many, was not a flu indeed. It was a bacterial infection. During the mid-2000s, certain manufacturers in the United States received billions of taxpayer dollars to develop their concoctions to make sure that we don't have another situation like the one in 1918 and 19. Or, at least a better perceived notion that the 1918-19 debacle isn't repeated. Capitalizing on this concept and new marketing campaign, the Spanish flu frenzy historical reports helped these modern day manufacturers procure billion dollar checks from governments worldwide, even though scientists knew that secondary bacterial complications of pneumonia was the real killer. Using this historical fear theory, manufacturers got filthy rich from our tax dollars. However, medical advances have changed significantly since the early 1900s. These same types of criminals have found a new way to capitalize on human beings. U.S. death rates have been steadily declining over the past century, likely due to advances in technology and living standards. Last year certainly signaled a noticeable break from this trend with a sizable increase in deaths, but not nearly the same as the 1918 flu, which I call the John D. Rockefeller Manufactured Flu. This flu is a universal benchmark for a killer influenza virus. Last year was certainly a horrific year with the outbreak and the lockdowns and all the chaos that followed. It was a year of death and despair, which should not be taken lightly. It is common to invoke comparisons with the 1918 flu, as that was an extremely devastating virus that rocked the world. Ethan Yang of American Institute for Economic Research had this to write. Upon further investigation, it is clear that this current medical malady claimed many lives. However, it is also clear that there is a substantial presence of statistical noise from comorbidites and increases in death from other causes. This raises many questions, not just about the collateral damage of our policy response, but also about whether we are even operating with the appropriate information to be making such decisions with people's lives in the first place. This leads me to ponder if these policies were put into place to exploit a nearly decade-old ruling of the United States Courts of Appeals, so that certain players could put in place a way to enslave every human on the face of this earth. But, to understand how this could happen, you must understand this court ruling and its implications for all mankind. This case, Association for Molecular Pathology v. Myriad Gen- Genetics, Inc., and the United States Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit, argued April 15, 2013, And the verdict was decided on June 13, 2013, that each human gene is encoded as deoxyribonucleic acid, otherwise known as DNA, takes the shape of a double helix. Each crossbar in that helix consists of two chemically joined nucleotides. Sequences of DNA nucleotides contain the information necessary to create strings of amino acids used to build proteins in the body. The nucleotides that code for amino acids are exons and those that do not are introns. Scientists can extract DNA from cells to isolate specific segments for study. They can also synthetically create exons-only strands of nucleotides known as complementary DNA, otherwise cDNA. cDNA contains only the exons that occur in DNA, emitting the intervening introns. Respondent Myriad Genetics Incorporated obtained several patents after discovering the precise location and sequence of the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes, mutations of which can dramatically increase the risk of breast and ovarian cancer. This knowledge allowed Myriad to determine the gene's typical nucleotide sequence, which, in turn, enabled it to develop medical tests useful for detecting mutations in these genes in a particular patient to assess the patient's cancer risk. If valid, Myriad's patients would give it the exclusive right to isolate an individual BRCA1 and BRCA two genes and would give Myriad the exclusive right to synthetically create BRCA C DNA. Petitioners filed suit seeking a declaration that Myriad's patients' patents were invalid as relevant here the district court granted summary judgments to petitioners concluding that Myriad's claims were invalid because they covered products of nature. The federal circuit initially reversed, but on remand in light of Mayo legal proceedings, Collaborative Services v. Prometheus Laboratories, Inc., the circuit found both isolated DNA and c DNA patent eligible. As a reminder, the courts held a naturally occurring DNA segment is a product of nature and not patent eligible merely because it has been isolated. But C DNA is patent eligible because it is not naturally occurring. The Patent Act permits patents to be issued to whoever invents or discovers any new and useful composition of matter. But laws of nature, natural phenomena, and abstract ideas are basic tools of scientific and technological work that lie beyond the domain of patent protection. The rule against patents on naturally occurring things has limits. However, patent protection strikes a delicate balance between creating incentives that lead to creation, invention, and discovery and impeding the flow of information that might permit, indeed, spur invention. This standard is used to determine whether Marriott's patients claim a new and useful composition of matter or claim naturally occurring phenomenon. Myriad's DNA claim falls within the law of nature exception. Myriad's principal contribution was uncovering the precise location and genetic sequence of the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. The legal proceedings, Diamond v. Chakbarti is central to patent eligibility inquiry whether such action was new with markedly different characteristics from any found in nature. Myriad did not create or alter either the genetic information encoded in the BCRA1 and BCRA2 genes or the genetic structure of the DNA DNA. It found an important and useful gene, but groundbreaking, innovative, or even brilliant discovery does not by itself satisfy the inquiry. But once the DNA has become a cDNA or complementary DNA or any other DNA, guess what? A human carrying such an altered state of DNA strands in something like the latest in gene therapy, like mRNA, is now patentable and therefore subject to ownership of the patent holder. By law, These people with mRNA infused in their bodies are now susceptible to ownership of another entity as a result of the U.S. federal court rulings to be the property of Shire Human Genetic Therapies, Rana Therapeutics Incorporated, Translate Bio Incorporated, and Shire Human Genetics Therapies Incorporated. If you succumbed to the gene-altering therapy, you may want to get very familiar with those bio-groups.